Welcome to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. Charlie, today, uh, I'm excited. It's been a long time since we've talked to these guys, seen these guys. Uh, I believe, if I have this right, and, and you may know this, I believe they're the first brothers to play simultaneously for the Admirals since Jack and Dave Capuano in the 1990 playoffs. We've had yep. brothers, we've had combinations, but they never played together. Correct. These guys that, did. And I think... The only, uh, and I, I'm maybe speaking out of turn on this, the only brothers in AHL history to play on the same time with the same first initial, and that screws people up on the box scores. <laughs> That's right. Because it's, it's uh, just M. Santarelli. Anyways. Mike Mike, and Mark Santarelli join us here. Guys, it's it's great to see you. It's great to talk to you. How is everything going for you? Uh, it's been great. Thanks, Aaron and Charlie, for having us. Um, you know, it's uh, great to be back and uh, talking with you guys. It's been a while and uh, looking forward to it. Mark, when we first uh, picked up here on this call, uh, you said you, you guys can't shake each other. You guys are st- you're working together right now. Yeah, it's still that way, Aaron. Um, yeah, nice to see you guys. Nice to uh, catch up. But yeah, he seems to follow me everywhere. And, you know, follow, or in Milwaukee there, he came to Europe once, followed me over there. You know, I try to get come home and get away from him, and he followed me back home. So, yeah, we're uh, our careers kind of followed each other in a weird way, and uh, now we're just five minutes from each other in Burnaby. So, you guys are coaching together, right? And what is that? What is that like? What is you think of all the experiences you guys have had in your careers, whether it's playing in Europe, the NHL, leading the Western League in scoring, playing in college, and and having a tremendous career. Mark, I'll start with you. What's it like to? To de- and how old are the kids? How, how old? Are, who are you dealing with? So we're coaching at the um, Burnaby Winter Club. It's the midget prep. So the kids are in grade 10, 11, and 12. So it's a high-performance uh, hockey academy. So the kids are pretty uh, – they're actually pretty good at hockey. Most of them are first-round WHL picks. Uh, wow. Um, some of them leave our program and they have scholarships. So it, it's uh, pretty intense. Um, but on the coaching aspect, you know, it, it's actually kind of enjoyable because our personalities are similar yet different. So um, we can play off each other uh, very well, and we kind of know what what, what the other uh, what the other person's thinking a bit too. So it's been good. Mike, do you have to do a good cop bad cop thing with, with working well, together? <laughs> well, I was just going to ask you guys to uh, put the questions on you guys to start, but uh, what would you say is the good cop bad cop? Oh boy, <laughs> I would say you're the good cop. That Mike, Mike is the good cop. I yeah. think Mike is the good cop. Is that right or no? How about you, Charlie? Is I would say I would say you for sure that Mark was the uh, has to come in and be the heavy. Yeah, I don't know. I think you guys have it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> really? <laughs> is that right? Yeah. It seems like Mike's the kids. The they, they, it seems like the boys when they want when they want to uh, when they want something or they want to play some games they, they they gravitate to Mark a little first before they really before they come. Yeah. So yeah. well, you're the you're yeah. the hardcore twenty goal NHL guy. So maybe that, that is that the right, reason. They're, they're, are they intimidated? Well, it's just it's just funny once uh, you know you, you, as a player then you become a coach it's, it's um, you know all the things you're, you used to shake your head at what your coach would make you want to do or need to do in order for the team to succeed um, you know now you're like oh now I get it now I know why we have <laughs> so to play that's those actually, certain that, ways that's a good question that makes me uh, curious do you see yourself as a coach now that you're coaching do you ever think back as a player and think I can't believe that I'm uh, that like I would have hated myself as a coach, right? Or do you think to yourself, well, geez, that when I was playing, this is how I sort of envisioned myself as a coach. If does, does that make sense? 
Yeah, like, no, it's it, it's funny you say that because like a lot of my buddies that growing up playing hockey, they 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 always say to me, Mike, you turned into the coach that you probably wouldn't want to play for when you were <laughs> when you were playing. So, um, but uh, you know, it just uh, it, it definitely gives you a different perspective, and and um, you know, and, and I think it's it, you know it's good because you 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 kind of get both sides of it as a player and as a as um, you know and now as a coach and just trying to help these younger um, you know players. Um, Learn the, learn the styles of game that are on, on kind of what it's going to take for them to get to that next level that, um, you know, maybe that we weren't really exposed to when we were growing up. You guys both played for Lane Lambert as the head coach when you were here. Um, I'm, you, you must take a lot from every coach you've had, obviously, and, and try to see how it fits your personality. But Mark, I mean, what Lane, Charlie and I, we talk to players who played for Lane, you guys included. Lane was an intense dude, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah. Lane was, uh, you know what? He was, he was really intense, but now looking back on it, he was probably the best systems and systems coach I've ever had. And he, he found a way to push guys. And, you know, at the time being young, you're kind of like, Holy smokes, this is intense and whatever. But now looking back, I actually draw a lot from Lane and my experiences with him into, into my coaching. Do you remember that game? Speaking of, of X's and O's and systems and adjustments. And do you remember that game against the Chicago Wolves? And I don't remember what was going on in the first period, but the story came out later because Chris Chelios was playing for the Wolves. And it came out later that Chelios said something along the lines of the adjustments that Milwaukee made between the first and second period or the second, whatever it was, were the best I've ever seen. I mean, that, really? no, that's I never, praise, right? Yeah, well, no, I never heard that. But yeah, that, that goes to show Lane right there. Like his like mid mid game adjustments was was amazing the way you can see the game and you know obviously look at him now he's won a Stanley Cup he's doing everywhere he's been it seems like the success just follows him Charlie Charlie likes to ask because I, I would assume you both were in the room uh the, Charlie you should ask the famous Scott Ford story oh well I think you guys would have been in the room when this happened when Fordo stole the pizza uh oh, do yeah. you remember do you Marquette? remember this uh, and, and like, <laughs> there's a Marquette a... basketball game the night before yeah. and Fordo on his way out yeah. stopped by. <laughs> there was a, a big tray of food for the referees. Was it Charlie? I don't even think it was a, 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 it was just pizzas, like 10 pizzas stacked up on stacked high right outside, you know, where you'd walk out from the Bradley center at the arena control door. Yeah. 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 Do you guys remember this uh, happening? Yeah, I do remember that. I'm just trying to remember what happened because of it. Well, so we came in the next day and it was a big to do. Like you would have thought that someone was like holding the, the, the Bradley center ransom. Assassinated, yeah. Right. Because the, yeah. I mean, the CEO of the Bradley center is talking to Harris and then Harris has got to talk to Lane and Nashville's getting involved. And so like Lane has no choice, but to take this to like, be serious about this. And, and, and so he goes in, he gets up in front of the boys and is basically like, we've had a severe lapse in judgment here, guys. Uh, yeah, now I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Fordo, tell him what happened. And the fucking boys are right. Are, oh, pardon my language. I'm sorry about, sorry about that. But the, the guys, all you guys are like, uh oh, what happened? Did a guy get arrested? Did we did we beat somebody up at a bar and he's in the hospital? And so Soto gets up and is what do you guys yeah, take it yeah. from there if you remember it, guys. You remember, remember what happened? I'm trying to remember if Lane um skated us because of that or, or there was was there some type of punishment mark? I thought there was. But you're right, Charlie. Like he, they played it up, like everyone was kind of like not everybody, but some people knew what was going on, some people didn't. And we were we, we thought it was like 
extremely severe, right? Yeah. The way it was getting played up. But um, what came out of that? Do you remember? I, I, oh. I don't know exactly, but I think it was like, you know, players can't use Harris's suite uh, for a month or something like that. Yeah, that's right? right. Yeah, we weren't allowed to go in the suite. I think it was and you know, no drinks inside the suite to the, the Bucks games and something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. That's so I good. Hope, I hope uh, I hope Fordo's, uh, you know, now teaching the boys right from wrong. <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's doing coach. pizza. <laughs> or he's not stealing pizzas with them, maybe. No, I'll tell you what, Fordo is. Uh, Fordo gets all upset. Uh, no, I shouldn't say upset, but you know, all, now the players are. What he'll tell, what he tells is, the players are so different now. It's just like they're hockey robots, right? They don't go. No one goes out and has fun anymore, right? And so, like, we'll never have an incident like that because I shouldn't say never, because who knows? But uh, he has. Uh, it, it's just very much. There's not a lot of you know. As it, it's all. Let me watch my shifts. Let me go eat my uh, pasta yeah. and chicken, and then I'm going to bed at uh, you know nine thirty or whatever it is. Well, and and you guys, you didn't deal with it in Milwaukee, but you know now and maybe you're do- dealing with it now with, with your coaching uh, at the high level you guys are coaching at, but breakfast is at the rink, right? And I mean, you can, they pretty much want you at the rink at all times, if, if possible until, you know, after lunch or whatever, after your workout. So it's, it's, a, it, it's more of a full day job than it used to be. Yeah. I mean, for, for our Academy, how it's kind of structured is um, um, we, we actually played at the burning when we were younger. So it's like, it's been really good to be back, um, but they didn't have the academy back then. It was just more so, um, uh, it's still minor hockey. But anyway, they, they got the academy here now at Burnaby Winter Club. And, um, you know, it's all Western Canada. It's called the uh, Canadian Sports School Hockey League. Um, so we got teams from Alberta, Manitoba, and uh, there's five or four or five teams in, um, in um, Vancouver area here and in the interior of BC. Um, so it, it's the kids go to school in the morning. Um, and then there, they, we have a gym, the gym routine where they go either two or three times a week before school. And then they're on the ice with us five days a week, um, plus games. Um, and then there's obviously travel, um, you know, showcase tournaments to go play against the Alberta teams and the Manitoba teams at one, one area where everyone kind of meets up to play those teams. Um, you know, so it's pretty, it's, uh, pretty intense. It's, it's pretty much like a, a junior league, just not junior yet. Yeah, Mike, you Mike, you went to college in Northern Michigan, and in congratulations, by the way, just uh, one of the newest members of the Northern Michigan, Northern Michigan Hall, Hall of Fame. Fame. Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, thanks, congratulations, congratulations on that, Mark. You went to the Western League and had a wonderful career in the in the Western League. Um, did you guys ever think that you would be playing together no, once you got no, out of really yeah. never? It's it's crazy how it all worked out, but yeah, like I don't think that ever crossed our mind. We even in Burnaby we never played uh, minor hockey together as well right so it never uh, it never crossed our minds was it uh, mark was it did you play how was the decision process for both of you for mike to go to college and mark to go to uh the western league uh how did that process work out and mark did you go did you want to play in the western league so maybe because mike was playing college and you just want to you want to separate a little bit and be your own person yeah, sort of. I actually was supposed to go to, um, I had a scholarship to Northern Michigan to go with Mike. And uh, I think my freshman year would have been would have maybe Mike's senior year or his uh, junior year, but he ended up leaving anyway. But um, yeah, I kind of, so I was on, once I graduated um, from grade 12, I just, 
there was a great opportunity for me in, in the Western Hockey League. And I kind of, like you said there, Charlie, I kind of wanted my own path and kind of go my own way. So I, I decided to uh, give that a shot. And, you know, I have no regrets. I, I love my time in the Western League. It's, it was I mean, hockey 24-7. So it was, I mean, uh, I had a, hun- it was a great how, two years of my life. Right. And how many guys can say they put up 100 points in a season, right? Like, uh, What's that? You get the Bobby, the Bobby Clark trophy? Is that what you get? Yeah, that's what the uh, top score there gets. So, yeah, no, it was cool. You play against kids or guys from all over, you know, Canada and the Canada-Russia series too. And, you know, it's nice to to be on that stage. So I enjoy my time. Mike, we, I remember, and this was before you came in, there was a, a fellow you played with named Pat Bateman, right? Yeah. In Northern yeah. Michigan? Oh, yeah. 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 Great. yeah. So Pat, Pat uh, and Pat was a little older. Pat was probably 24, yeah. 25 when he – turned pro right probably played a few years of ushl or whatever but but anyway yeah, pat yeah. signed a, an ato with the admirals at the end of the 06 07 season and i'll tell you and i don't know if i ever told you this but i remember claude noel claude really wanted you and you didn't yeah. y- you didn't come at the end of that 06 07 season and claude really wanted you and claude was all over pat bateman about what you're like and, and like he was really really anticipating you in the lineup you never yeah. got to play for claude but you come in and you, I mean, it seemed like you had a comfort level right away. Three 20-goal seasons, a 20-goal season as a rookie. I mean, that that doesn't happen all the time in this league. Were you comfortable right off the bat? Yeah, like, you know, I think um, coming in, it was obviously a, a good rookie class. Like, uh, you know, Cody Franson and I um, ended up being uh, roommates together. Um, and then um, two of us in the same, shared the same building, and it was, and it was awesome. I think um, – we, we had a like, it was a really good team like highly skilled team there's like you know you had rich peverly was, was still there for um i think about half the year you had older guys like jason guerrero and um you know and, and josh langford pecco with the net um or decor was solid and, and then uh, obviously i think it was a it was a big learning curve going from college to from uh to the my first year pro is just the little details and i think you know we spent a lot of time with lane my first year and, and watching going through video and it helped quite a bit um and then just um, you know playing with a, high, a ton of skilled guys and um, you know great locker room and and um, you know helped my transition. Sure, sure. Mark, what was it like for you? You you came in at the end of a season, got in a game. Um, how much does that did that help you to? I mean, Mike was here obviously, but to get to the the lay of the land a little bit and and see what it was like, see what the coaches were like, see what the locker room was like. How big of a help was that? I think that was a, a really big help, especially just kind of going there to see the arena, to see, you know, what it's like to be a pro. And it kind of sets you up for for your summer off season as well, right? To know, okay, I'm going against these guys. They're that much bigger. They're that much faster. And they're that much stronger. So I thought that was really help, helpful, especially in the off season that summer. How what was you? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Charlie. I was just going to say, what was the biggest adjustment for both of you to, to, to the, to the pro game and the pro life? Like it's totally different than anything yeah, you, you know, you in college, you got a roommate, and maybe you're living off campus. In Western League, you're billeted, and suddenly you're an adult, and you're responsible for everything. So, what was the biggest adjustment for you guys, both on and off the ice, when you turned pro? Yeah, I think Charlie, you know, off the ice, it was, it's a bit different. Like, whereas you know, you're kind of um, when you're in college or juniors, like everything's kind of, um, you know, when, you know, when you go to on the road and you're, you, everything's organized, so your meals are taken care of, your you know, the time everything kind of scheduled, but Whereas when you're, you know, your first year pro, it's, um, you have a lot more free time. It's not like, it's not full team function. So you're kind of like going around, uh, you know, and it gives you a good opportunity to, 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 you know, go for dinner with um, everybody. Right. 
um, you know, as, as a, as a smaller group, I'd say. Right. Um, but then just kind of, um, and then on the ice, it was, um, you know, um, more so learning, not just to be a one-dimensional type player, right? Um, you know, I think growing up, both of us were offensive guys, and um, you know, we just thought one way. And, and uh, you know, I, I think in a time in Milwaukee, you know, you you learn how to round out your game, and because at the next level, you you, you can't just be a one-dimensional, right, um, offensive guy because there's so many. Elite Everybody's got speed, guys. or yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? You just can't and, control a game yeah. with your speed, for instance. Yeah. And I think that was maybe one of the, you know, on ice part of it. The, the, my biggest challenges was to, to learn that aspect of it. And, and like, you know, going back to the beginning of the conversation, uh, you know, say now that I'm a, now that I'm a coach and, and seeing this side of it, um, that's an area that you don't really, you didn't really get as a player. Right. And um, because at the, at the next level, the coach has to, you know, if you do, you know, in the NHL, the coach has to be able to trust you to put you on that ice. Right. Right. Absolutely. Mark, how about, uh, how about you, Mark? Oh. oh, go ahead. I was going to say, go ahead. Yeah. For me, the biggest adjustment was, you know, going from as a 19, 20 year old, you kind of got to grow up really fast, right? You go from building to living on your own, finding your own apartment, you know, cell phone, like, you know, getting a vehicle, kind of all that stuff off the ice was a big adjustment for me at such a young age. And now kind of looking back on it, I'm like, holy smokes, like, you know, I was pretty young back then at 20 years old, 19 years old. It's, it's, it's crazy, but you know, that's off the ice on the ice. I think the, the, the biggest adjustment was, you know, how, how much bigger and faster the players were compared to juniors. It is a big jump going from the Western league to, to pro, you know, I remember, and then too, you had big players like Yonkman or Fordo or, um, you know, you're, um, you're playing against men, right? Yeah. You're playing against men. Exactly. And you're, you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're a young, uh, adult if that at best right so that that was a big adjustment for me mark i recently mark was nice enough to get to drop off a a questionnaire um i i asked him to fill out a questionnaire about uh a flight and the, the anniversary is coming up um where the admirals were on a plane that an engine blew and there was uh there was the flight attendant doing the most panicking i think but it, which did not make anybody feel feel good but uh, you talk about big guys, Mark. You were you told me you were sitting next to Hugh Jessamine on that plane. Yeah. Um, there were, it, it's just I look back at those years, and and I'm I'm very nostalgic, and 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 maybe I tend to romanticize all of it. But it, there were so many good guys on those teams. It was just it was just so much fun. Yeah, no, it was like all those teams. My three years there, every team. And I think that's why our teams were so good on the ice because we're off the ice. Everyone's, you know, buddies. And at that pro level, sometimes you might not get that where guys are kind of competing against each other for jobs. But, yeah, back to that flight, Aaron. I remember that flight like it was yesterday. I really do. Till this day, every time I land and take off, if you I feel what? a little turbulence, I get. So, I, I, I apologize for interrupting, but I asked yep. about 15 guys from that team that, that sent back to sent something back to me. And probably 10 of them said i was just telling somebody the other day about whatever which is just amazing right because it's yeah nothing happened but it's it's such a it's a good story mike yeah it is luckily nothing and mike had just been called up by the way mike missed it by like a day or something where was mike in this i think mike actually played the night before against toronto against the marlies and i think he got called up the next day uh i can't remember what if it was on the road i got called up but i was up in nashville and um no i heard the story and i was like it was it was shocking (laughs) go ahead mark i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but yeah no yeah it was crazy like yeah no i've told i've told that story a 
whole bunch of times, a whole bunch of times. And yeah, like I said, every time I kind of get turbulent, I, I was always a good flyer. And since that day, when I get hit turbulent, especially on takeoff, I instantly, instantly get nervous, but, um, was, uh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Was Colin Wilson on that? No, no. Oh, cause he, it was the next right. year. Yeah. Colin, uh, Colin always had to talk to the captain, right? When we got on the yeah, plane, yeah, Colin always yeah, had to talk yeah. to the, to the pilots and yeah. make sure everything was good. Right. Yeah, yeah, he did. He was uh, he he was a little bit uh, I think uh, nervous of flying there. Yeah, I mean, he had that a whole article about his uh, OCD did. in the athletic, and uh, you know, when you're playing in the NHL, it's probably pretty easy to you can easy to go up there. The captain's probably oftentimes the same person, but when you're in the minors, and he wasn't in the minors for long, but just mm-hmm. to that's that's not an easy thing to do. Although probably I, I would assume that they get they don't uh, maybe not often, but. You know, there are a lot of nervous flyers out there that probably want to just say hi to the captain, and and I'm sure the captains are good at calming their nerves. But I'm sure that's not an easy thing for uh, for him. that would not have been an easy thing for him to go through. I was just I was just looking, Mark, at that stretch too. I mean, th- this tells you how different the game was just ten years ago. Um, that w- there was a stretch of seven games in nine days for the Admirals. So they played the day after Christmas, the twenty between the twenty sixth and January third. There were seven games. And then five days off, and then a three and three home in Milwaukee, two in San Antonio. So that's, and yeah. then after that, fly to Winnipeg. Um, and then two, you know, a couple of days later, the Sully lands the plane in the Hudson, which Crazy. is just amazing. It, that day that that happened, we played. So refresh my memory, Aaron. We played at home on, was it a Friday night? It was a Friday night against the Marlies, yeah, against Toronto. Then it happened on the Saturday on the way to a game, right? And it was the one time we flew out of Milwaukee. Yeah. Right. It was an early yeah. flight out of Milwaukee to through Memphis to get to San Antonio. Yes, to play that night. And mm-hmm. I I thought the game was delayed a lot longer because so many guys had thought had remembered that. I looked it up and it was like 10 minutes. So the game wasn't delayed. It was like a 7-12 face-off. Really? Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> And, uh, but Fordo, Fordo remembers Lane coming in at the end of the game and saying, boys, that's the greatest effing point you'll ever earn. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up, did get a, we did get a point that game, eh? Yeah. Uh, Joel Perot, remember him? Joel Perot scored oh, yeah. 16 seconds into overtime for a two, one win. Yeah. And that was, it was such a, if that had been on a Tuesday, well, we would have flowed the day of, but maybe San Antonio says, okay, well, it's okay. We'll do it on Wednesday or something, but this was a major, it might've been their teddy bear toss game, or it might've been, I don't think it was their military, right. but it was a huge crowd Big for them. Crowd, so they're yeah. like, no, we're playing. Yeah. Like we don't care if we have to start this game at 11 o'clock, we're playing this game. Yeah. And that's but, not the yeah. easiest rink to play in too. It's so hot and, oh. and slow. Yeah, and, ice, oh, ice is bad. And bad. Yeah. Well, you played there. You lived there for a little bit, Mike. Yeah, when um, I had a little stint there with San Antonio, um, yeah, it, it, it was yeah, extremely hot. Um, ice wasn't the greatest, and and um, you know they they convert there as well. You know, back and forth between the, the, the basketball court, right? Right. So, um, yeah. So I mean, um, but a lot a lot of teams have that, right? Yeah, I was just going to say, do you guys remember really anywhere in the American Hockey League where the ice was? fantastic um, especially not mid-season where there are other events and maybe constantly... you know maybe maybe hamilton 
or something like that. But, but I mean, I can't imagine like Toronto was always bu- that building was busy. Like, I mean, I can't think Winnipeg probably it would be the best probably. Yeah, Winnipeg was good. Yeah, and I, I don't know why Grand Rapids keeps coming up in my mind, but well, and that could um, very well be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, anyway, you think Mark? No, not really. Most rinks, like you said, had the basketball hockey thing going on and yeah and i remember at times like we'd be getting to the rink and they'd still have the basketball floor on the (laughs) end and we'd be playing like two hours later it's like right wow (laughs) (laughs) that happens a lot yeah absolutely yeah so uh, my uh i i told you before we started my favorite story ever on the ice involves you uh and you're actually the major player in it um and it happened in hamilton um so it's the second period in Hamilton. Uh, Terry Koharski is the referee. Uh, Reed Cashman. And I, I think Lane wanted a hard rim. Reed Cashman had the puck in the left circle, defensive zone left circle. And it's that opposite bench that you're going to. So I th- Lane was big on hard rims, right? This was before the no-touch icing, all of that. So Lane was big on hard rims. So Cash was going to, this is how I, per, I perceived it. Cash was going to slap at the length of the ice, right? And, and try to get a hard, at least clear the zone, if nothing else. But I'll let you pick it up from there. Well, I, I do know what, you, what you're getting at. I, you know, I don't remember all the details. I remember the, the ref saying something like just getting mad at Cash or just, just saying something. Like, well, that puck, you figure a slap shot at, at, at minimum 80 miles an hour, put, yeah. hit Terry Koharski between the shoulder blades. It hit him. Okay, see, I, I, don't, I forgot that part. Yeah, and then what did I say? It says something stupid like, what did I say to him? Something like, maybe it's part of the game. I can't remember. Yeah, that's, that's, is that what I said? That's what I remember it as. Yeah. yeah. And which was totally uncharacteristic for me too. I don't even right. talk to the I, rest. I, I can't even, I can never picture you, Aaron, I've heard Aaron tell this story a hundred times and I can yeah. never picture Mark Santorelli, like the <laughs> nicest guy in the world to just, just say this to, to uh, Terry Koharski. Yeah. And and he, he was there there, there too, Terry, too, right? Terry's a guy. I don't know if maybe you said that Terry's a guy who talked to players, like everybody knew him. Everybody loved Coho, right? Yeah. I don't know what it was, but something set me off, and I don't remember that. But I feel like the way he reacted to to Cash, and I just, it just pissed me off. I was probably in a bad mood for whatever reason. I said something stupid. Then I remember what happened right after that. What did happen right after that? Yeah. The next faceoff. We got a penalty instantly. 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 Like, and it wasn't even. A, I don't even think it was a penalty. Cash says. I think. I think. Cash told says. When he tells the story that Coho came over to the bench and as he skated by the bench, and I think you were there, Coho says, "Now it's on." Yeah, maybe I don't remember. And you're that. right. There, the very next, there was a total BS penalty. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. Like right away. Yeah. Who and who got it? Did you get it, Mike? No, I was probably on the or bench. Cat. I don't know who got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure. It wasn't me though, but I remember Lane not happy. At first, he was so shocked it was me that even said that. Then he kind of. I don't know if you got mad or just laughed at it. <laughs> I, I, I would imagine that, like, how could you, how could you get mad, right? When this is something like if it, it was uh, someone who, you know, a hothead, someone with a little bit more temper, you know, but this here's you are with, you know, probably never, like you said, probably never said anything to the refs on the ice. Yeah. And here you are telling them that's part of the game, buddy. You get drilled yeah. with the shoulder blades. Yeah. No, I don't you know what else. You should have picked a younger guy, not a, 
<laughs> yeah, rookie. right. Should have blamed some rookie. Too. Yeah, seriously. No, that's funny. So, yeah, that's funny. You remember that. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Kind of like it was yesterday there too. That's, uh, that's one of my favorites. Um, when you guys, what did you guys do for fun when you were here? And, and, and did you guys hang out all the did time? Did you guys live together? Yeah. Uh, I had a actually a really good buddy of mine um, that I played with at Northern Michigan. Um, his timing was perfect. We, we lived together in college and, and then um, he got a job in Milwaukee. Um, so we actually lived with him for one year. Mark and I, and then, um, um, but I spent a lot of time with, uh, with him. We were, we were pretty close. I was in his wedding party and I'm um, still really close to this day. So, um, there was that. And then, um, you know, it was good that when Mark was here too, and then just kind of hanging out with the guys as well. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. What I do like you remember Mark. doing Mark? Pardon? I said, what do you remember doing in Milwaukee when you were had downtime? Um, I remember my um, the one year I lived with uh, Chet and uh, Mueller there. That was a good time. Yeah, all the guys kind of lived at um, I can't remember the name of the complex. Maybe Library Hill, or it could have been the Blatts, or it could have wow. been uh, yeah. Uh, um, I don't Library know. Hill. I lived at Library Hill my first. Yeah, year. it wasn't it was, that. It's Franny, but Mark lived Did, by the. Uh, there complex. was that stretch over by the grocery store, over by Chipotle. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. where we lived. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember, I remember being there. You guys may have probably both there too. It was a long stretch of games, and I bumped into Kelsey Wilson after the game somewhere along Third Street. And Willie said, "Come on, come with us. We're all going to Spalling's." So yeah, everybody yeah, ends up there. at, Nick, at Nick Spalling's house, and that was the night that the microwave got tossed out the window, <laughs> and because Thurison Thurison filled it up with eggs. And oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Set the timer for eight minutes with the eggs in the microwave, and Kelsey Wilson chucked it out the window. And yeah, Ryan Jones, and uh, yeah, there was it was that was a night. Yeah, no, that's that's where I lived. Yeah, I remember just kind of always hanging out in that area. We go to Chipotle or Panera Bread, I think it was called, and uh, yeah, Panera Bread definitely there. Um, just kind of hanging out, playing video games. Uh, you know, you're young, you're 20, 21 years old, and you're done yeah. hockey by noon, right? So many guys have said that 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 was their favorite time, not necessarily that specific time, but the times where you you don't have a wife or a girlfriend or or a family, whatever, and you're young professionals and it it turns into sort of a dorm. You when when a bunch of you live in the same apartment complex, it turns into kind of just nonstop fun. Yeah, it does. I think Blum might have been in there and and uh ryan Mackey was there and there was or, a whole bunch of us there so yeah there was always something to do really it was too much fun almost yeah well I, you can't have too is there such a thing as too much fun <laughs> it's too much fun no yeah, yeah. probably not no. you know i think they kind of uh the build like people kind of drive here the same similar to buildings i think there was one up by the Mar marquette campus there too um just past library hill uh, one of the years a lot of guys live there as well yeah um so um, yeah, it just makes it that much better. You can walk down the stairs and you're, you know, you're in, you're in your buddies or your teammates, um, you know, apartment and, you know, and then things just kind of go from there. Right. Yeah. yeah so, absolutely. I mean, Mike, you get, uh, sent, uh, your, your third year in Milwaukee, you, you're really, you're up and down probably five or six times. Maybe it's not that many, maybe that's just my memory, but you play, uh, uh, two thirds of the season for Milwaukee and then uh, 
a third, and then a third in Nashville. Just talk about what that was like for you, just to be constantly not really knowing where you're going to be. Did you have a place in Milwaukee? Yeah. yeah. Did, did you have a place in Milwaukee in or yeah. did you, or how did that work? Yeah, that was, that was a tough one back and forth. I remember the first year, uh, that year I, I made the Preds at a camp. Um, and then, you know, um, you know, Trotty was telling me, you know, go find a place and found a place in Nashville and, you know, signed the lease. And, and then, you know, um, and then, you know, I was bringing all my stuff up from Milwaukee to Nashville. Like I had my truck in, um, in transit or in, in transport to take it to from Milwaukee to Nashville. And then, oh. Oh, then we were going for like, I remember this vividly, like we were going through a little bit of a losing streak in Nashville the first three or four games of the season. So Trotty calls me up to the front of the plane and, and you know, and says, Hey, we're going to send you down back down to Milwaukee as everything is literally on its way to Nashville on its way to Nashville. It's like, you know, just find finding a lease and everything too. And, and I was just like, Ooh, what am I going to, you know, I said, okay, fine. You know, obviously disappointed, but, um, and I, you know, trying to coordinate and figure out what to do and, you know, found a way to get out of the lease. And then the, the truck literally got dropped off to in, in Nashville and thank God for, um, um, Brandon in uh, Nashville. And then they just went right back to Milwaukee. Um, you know, and then there was, then I didn't really have a place to place to, I had to find a place. I was living at a hotel out of the Hilton there for a while yeah. uh, in the suitcases. And half my suitcases were, I think some of them were in Nashville and some of them in Milwaukee. And it was, uh, yeah, but I guess that, that's kind of just the way it is too. When you're, you know, you're, you're trying to make that jump too. Right? But, but I tell you what, we talk about this so much you when you're young you have this vision that how how playing in the nhl is going to be or how being a musician is going to be or being an actor or what being famous whatever all these it's going to be awesome it's going to be so easy you're going to get paid all of this stuff when the reality is that ain't the case it's it's it can be a pretty rough life you have to you have to have some thick skin and you have to be able to go with the flow Oh yeah, you definitely got to be um, mentally tough, especially when you're. You know, I, I I say like there's a lot of guys that have been through that, right? You know, when you're kind of that, you know, um, you you kind of got to scratch and claw and fight your way to a full time spot, and and um, you know, and and kind of have to. A lot of players, have, you know, went through that. Like I think you know, Puz went through that, and and yep. then he had a very extremely successful career. Yeah. I think Cal went Cal. Cal went through that as well, or, you know, just by the, you know, it happened to Jones, Ryan Jones and, and Patrick Hornquist too, right. For, for their year. Right. Co but, Colin uh, Wilson it, too. Yeah. Colin Wilson, you know, it's just part of the process back then. And I think with, with Nashville is always like, they wanted you to start in the minors and they wanted you to go through that, uh, that process and, and um, you know, and, and then be ready when you're ready. And so then you, you know, it, it kind of teaches you, you know, that uh, you'll, you'll, you'll put in the time and, and, to, to figure it out their, their famous line was you know just figure it out right yeah. um, so you, you have to you have to yeah you really do have to figure it out and find a way yeah yeah charlie do you have anything else i was gonna, we should wrap it up here pretty quick but do you yeah have well i just want to I, I do want to ask mark like you played three seasons in in, in the american league and then uh, so then you're 22 years old a young guy uh what 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 prompted the decision to go to europe at that point uh, was this, did your agent encourage it? And you had a very successful, you played five more years uh, in Europe after leaving North America. Uh, so what, what was the decision like? And then just talk a little bit about playing in Europe and, uh, and the experience you had over there. 
Um, yeah, so that summer after my uh, third year in Milwaukee, I had some interest for um, the American League, nothing substantial that I really thought would have been a good opportunity for me. And after playing three years of, you know, kind of being in and out of the lineup and not playing key minutes, I wanted to kind of just play hockey again. So an opportunity came out in Sweden. And, you know, in Europe, it is more of a it's more of an offensive skilled game. So I thought, um, you know, that would benefit the player I was. And yeah, so I just decided to go kind of knew nothing about it, really. And uh, went over there, played uh, in Sweden for two years and in the Austrian League for three years. And um, I had a great time. I loved my time over there. It was amazing. Okay, pronounce the name of the, uh, the team you played for. Tin, Tingards? Tingsrud. <laughs> Tingsrud in, uh, in Sweden. It's, uh, it's a small, um, they call it a village. Um, it's a small town in southern Sweden, um, close to uh, Malmo and close to uh, Copenhagen, Denmark. So we'd always sure. fly into there. Um, the one year in the lockout, Mike actually joined us for a handful of games before uh, the NHL pick came back, picked yeah. back up. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it was a small town. Um, it was just, you know, a hockey town. The rink held like 3000 people and it sell out every game. Right. So it was, it was, it was fun. Yeah. Was, Mike, was I want to ask, I'm sorry, go ahead, Charlie. I was just going to say, was English the primary language spoken? Did you have to pick a, a, in the locker room or, I mean, I'm sure there's an import rule. I look at, I'm looking at the roster and they're all, there's all double S's and, uh, you know, and, and, and whatnot. They're all Swedes. Did you yeah, have to learn no, Swedish? They, I didn't learn Swedish. No, but uh, all, most people speak English because they watch American TV. They listen to American music. So their English is outstanding, especially in Sweden. Um, in yeah. school, since they're young kids, that's where they all learn how to speak English. So uh, everyone would speak English and, you know, you're kind of spoiled that way too. Even in Germany or in Austria, there, German being like the, the main language, everyone spoke English to, to me as well. Um, so I didn't really pick up a language. I didn't really learn anything because everyone just talked to you in English, right? Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Mike, uh, I want before we wrap up, Mike, uh, you had the chance to play for your hometown team. I got to imagine you guys grew up as Canucks fans being from that part of the world. So when you get a chance to play for the Canucks, what was that like? Yeah, that was amazing. That was probably one of the highlights of my uh, career for sure, I think. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. It was always a dream of mine when I was a kid to, to play for the Vancouver Canucks and Having guys like Pavel Bure and um, you know uh, Marcus Naslin as your as your childhood um, idols, I guess, and that you would watch, right? Um, you know, it was uh, made it, you know made it um, extremely like you know having your family at every single game and having right. someone at the rink every single game to see a player, or a friend, or um, guys you grew up with, buddies you grew up with, um, you know, and then on top of it, just like the group of guys that are on, were on that team were fantastic. I think everyone right from the twins, um, the sitting twins right to, um, you know, Ibiaka, um, you know, Kessler, everyone was just awesome guys. It's a close group and uh, enjoy my time here. We Too had, bad I got injured. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a, exactly, uh, exactly. A few weeks ago we had uh, on the, on the podcast here, we had Scott Darling, who was the first Chicago born, born kid to play goalie for the Blackhawks. And he said he came out. He, he came out about even with his salary and having to buy tickets for everybody. Yeah. So when yeah. you're playing in Vancouver, like uh, you, you know, were you net positive, or did you uh, have to, or, or did you take a deficit that year because you're, you're buying tickets for everyone and their brother who wants to uh, who wants to see you play? Well, it was negative that year because the Italians, all well, the third, fourth, and fifth uh, cousins, <laughs> are at the, uh, at the Christmas dinner table that you have to. You know, you have to. Oh, you, you got to get tickets for um, your aunt's second cousin's <laughs> wife, uh, younger brother, or whatever that is. But uh, 
no, you know, having you know having everybody there to support you was uh, was something that you know you, you'll never forget. We always like to finish these up, guys, with uh, with with this question. And uh, Mark, I'll st- we'll start with you. When you think of your time in Milwaukee, what what comes to mind? What do you think of? Uh, the long road trips, the uh, the three and three Friday, Saturday, Sunday afternoon games. Um, that's probably one, the first thing that comes to mind. And the second thing was, you know, being so young and hanging out with, you know, the other 21 year old, 22 year old and just kind of hanging out like in that dorm life uh, atmosphere, I guess, in those apartments for all that playing video games and just not a care in the world. Just you go to the rink, play hockey, then you're done by noon and just hanging out. So those yeah. are the two biggest things for me. Mike. Yeah, no, I think, you know, it's funny you asked that question because Mark and I have uh, talked about the last few weeks and, you know, how how much you missed those times, right? Like those times in Milwaukee were, you know, were a big part of our, our lives and uh, it was fun. And, um, you know, having like those games against the Chicago Wolves and, um, you know, those were always intense and, um, you know, being around the, the groups of players that we got to play with and, um, you know, having Mark there too was, was awesome. And, um, you know, it was a great time that, uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be awesome if you could just re- relive it for, for a little bit, right? Right. right. Yeah. How, how, how difficult is that for you guys to, you know, you're working with 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. You want to tell them that but you also want to don't want to be the old guy who's telling you, Hey, get off my lawn. Right. Uh, yeah. How do you, how do you do that? How do you get that message across to the kids? Uh, or don't like you, message, do you just tell them, try your best and enjoy the process? Yeah, no, I think nowadays the kids are on the ice so much. They're on the ice like three, four times a day. And um, you know, they, uh, I don't know if they have, like they, they seem, like you said, they seem very quiet, right? Like I'm not sure that they, do the extra like throwing a microwave out the window just to have those <laughs> memories or or um you know i'm not encouraging that or or um you know uh a lot of the, i guess the the age with the, with the smartphones coming out now right that uh things have changed a little bit but uh um the, the times with the guys and you know the the games and the the the, the battles you kind of go through with the, those are the memories that are gonna last forever right yeah 100 percent 100%. Guys, uh, thank you so much, both of you. Happy holidays. Hope all the best to your families. Stay well. Uh, we'd love to do this again. Um, good luck to you, and we'll uh, we'll hopefully talk soon. Yeah, thanks for having us, uh, Aaron and Charlie. If anything you guys need um, or if you guys want to do this again, it'd be, be great. We really yeah, th- appreciate it. Thanks for the time, guys. This was awesome. Yep. Yeah, yeah Mike thanks for catching up, guys. Appreciate Mike it. Mike and Mark Santarelli, thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast.